0: This podcast is at and I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game.
1: Between the time when gamers played with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the coast, there was an age of advanced role-playing on to the sky gas destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow It was given to teach us all
2: how to rule for initiative Ladies and gentlemen uh, Let's get her
1: The World for Initiative Podcast. This is mini-issue number three. Vince sitting alongside Chad. Hey there, yo. And good old Matt. Hello, everyone. And this week we're going to focus on wrestling. No, I'm just kidding. This week we're going to focus on pure paladins this week. We have some good, uh, good little topic here. Remember the mini-shows are 30 minutes or less of packed information so you can listen to on your drive or quickly listen to on a jog. Most people like that, so we decided to go with that again. So we're going to talk about Paladins this week. And uh, first things first, uh, Paladins, when you play your Paladin, do you follow the deity's alignment or do you start with a lawful good, straight lawful good? Chad, let's start with you first with that one.
0: Okay, well, I know the book, and there will be a lot of purists out there that will say, well, that's an easy answer. You always play lawful good. What else would you do with a Paladin? But I'm going to say, you know, I actually allow my Paladins, I always say the deity your Paladin follows is the alignment that your paladin should be because a paladin, what is a paladin? He's, he's the champion, he's championing the cause and, and world outlook of a particular deity or religion. And so it, it may always made little sense to me that you'd have, say, a lawful good paladin who is the champion and we'll throw out a chaotic good deity here. I think he's chaotic good. How about Hermes? from mm-hmm. the, you know, the Greek mythos. Uh, why would this lawful good paladin, on the one hand, be saying, you know, preaching the virtues of law and order, while at the same time reading parables that detail the virtues of a chaotic good-natured deity? It just never quite made sense to me. I think that's always been one of the issues with alignment as D&D, and so I, I tend to run it in the, in the way that you're, if you're going to champion a god, you're going to champion that god's outlook. So I, I let them be the alignment of their deity.
1: Well, you do make a good point. The book never actually says anything about picking a deity for a paladin and whether that paladin has to follow that alignment directly or that paladin has to have a lawful good alignment for, I should say, the deity should have a lawful good alignment. So I guess it is a DM fiat thing going on there. DM discretion mm. because it doesn't actually say anywhere you do but most people just assume that your paladin is lawful good has to be lawful good so he should follow all god that is lawful good.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the big distinguishing uh what you just said there is that, you know, cuz some people may may hear this and say well well no, it says in the in the player's handbook that they have to be lawful good, but it never says the, that they have to follow a lawful good deity. Nowhere in the book, as far as I know, does it say that. I, and so, like you said, I think they just are kind of assuming that you'll do that. If they're not, then again, I'm, then the logic there is, seems just a bit flawed to me.
1: Logically, you would say, okay, a paladin has to follow a good god, because obviously he's lawful good, good. that That logic goes together. If he follows an evil god, then he really can't be lawful good, or good for that matter.
0: Right or he you know and they have rules for that if you want to be a chaotic evil paladin you know they they have the anti paladin they even have a uh, dragon magazine came out with paladins of for every alignment essentially uh you know for lawful evil paladins which i always thought would be very interesting but uh you know if if you want to be a paladin from the book and if the assumption is you have to follow a lawful good deity Then again, well, then that brings up the question, what about these other deities? Why can't they have their own champions?
1: Well, that's a thing that I think that 5th edition, the new one, that they kind of changed on us a little bit, that paladins no longer have to be lawful good or lawful for that matter. They just have to follow an oath. So their oath kind of determines what their alignment will be. Because the paladin I was playing was lawful uh, lawful neutral. So uh, I picked the Oath of Vengeance. So as long as I stick to the oath guidelines, I'm sticking within my character alignment and play. Okay. okay. Now I could see, uh, you know, if you're following an oath...
0: You, that means you're you're putting certain strictures upon yourself, you're living within certain set guidelines, maybe uh i mean even if even if you're just saying you know i'm my my oath is to kill everything evil that I see uh of course, you know I guess they could say, well, yeah, but how you go about doing that could be you know and a means justify the ends, which would not be very lawful good because lawful good would say no the the means must you know the the ends must be met following the means.
1: Yeah, very true. But then again, you're not lawful good if you're picking an oath that's not exactly like vengeance. You wouldn't think would be lawful good.
0: Well, there's righteous vengeance. Right. Uh, the Inquisition. I'm sure many of the many of the priests from the Inquisition period of history might have might have argued
2: that point. They would right. have said, you know. The vengeance can be lawful good. It's how you execute the vengeance may not be lawful good. Mm. What yeah. about you? Run your paladins. Uh, my paladins, I always have went more by the book. You pick lawful good. Now find a deity that's lawful good. So <laughs> See, straight like yeah. yeah, just straight by the book, and the way I've always seen it, it's I'm almost thinking. That the lawful good paladin, like the good gods, bestow the power into them. And I'm thinking, like, the other deities, that they, they can have their, like, champions, but maybe they're not necessarily called a paladin. Who's to say, like, the the trickster god whose name escapes me at the moment may not have, like, a rogue be his version of the paladin? or so maybe some of the other classes could be the holy avenger quote unquote for mm. the different uh gods it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the paladin class it could well, to I- be their uh pawns a cleric can easily step in with that, anyway. So. Right? Yeah, the cleric's like the catch-all, the uh, the uh, infantry grunt work. But I'm as for I'm talking because the paladin's kind of I've always viewed it like a step above a cleric when it comes to the hierarchy of uh, following one's god. Mm-hmm. So I could see maybe some other classes being the one who uh, executes the god's will for the other deities now would
0: they benefit from uh, if if they're if they're doing the same thing for their deity as a champion then i could hear the player saying well then why doesn't my character benefit from the same uh gifts from his god that the lawful good paladin does you know the magic resistance the uh, the ability to to uh, well uh, to eventually be granted spells
2: but then at that point, you point out the things that their class can do that the paladin cannot. I don't see a paladin picking locks. I...
0: Right. But now that's something that has nothing to do, though, with the, with the call, I guess you would say, that the, the, that particular thief is answering. He's not trying to champion a deity. That's a trade. Right. So, you know, if, if you're saying that another class could champion the cause of a deity— that's you know kind of beyond the scope of what their class right is yeah so shouldn't they be getting some of the perks that that say i mean you could say a paladin's just a fighter who champions a god okay right. but he because of that he gets a few perks right
2: if if they wanted to take it to the next level and be more like a paladin and following their alignment strictly like a Paladin does, and some of the other restrictions, It when it comes to being a true champion, I could see giving them some of those other benefits. Maybe they do get a little of that magic resistance, or maybe you just put a diff- uh, slightly different spin on some of the other things. Like the Paladin gets lay hands. Maybe if it's like a rogue, they, get, they can, uh, instead of lay hands once a day, they can do a... Uh, the inverse of like a cure light wound, since it's like they're inge- using a poison once a day from their hand, so they do like 1d4 plus one damage instead.
0: Well, you know, what if you did this? You could, I was thinking about this. Well, uh, now, if say you want to have a paladin who follows a thief type god, mm-hmm. well, looking at the contrast between a fighter and a paladin, what if you did the same thing with a thief? and a paladin you know what i mean like you're a thief uh you're not going to get quite the fighting ability of a paladin who is lawful good because his his base class is a fighter but your base class would still be a thief but you would also get the benefits of eventual spells and uh you know uh you know the ability to get a holy item at some point But your hit dice and everything would still work just as a paladin's hit dice falls under a fighter's, you know, kind of greater umbrella. Yours would fall under a thief's greater umbrella. Right. Yeah. Same for a magic user if you're following a, a magical, you know, god.
2: Yeah, I could see that. And I actually kind of like that better than the generic, okay, we'll just say you're following this alignment and worshiping a different god and you have the same powers. I think it makes the uh, servants of the gods stand out a little more and have a little more difference as opposed to, oh, it's the lawful good paladin just with a different coat of paint. So I kind of like actually having the different classes, and find like the class that best associates with being a servant of that god and then tweak it along, along the lines you were saying, Chad. And I think that just makes the... Uh, the warrior servant stand out more.
0: Yeah, I agree, because why would the god of magic, who's venerated by sorcerers, have a fighter champion his cause, essentially, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly, so... And that's something to look at, just... I think people get so caught up in just, like, I want to be, like, the anti-paladin. I want to be the paladin, except with a black coat of paint. and, And, like, the and bring death and vengeance since not all gods would be doing that now you really do need to cater if you're going down this route the class to the god and what's appropriate for them and i could even see different like chaotic good and chaotic neutral gods they're the same alignment but they're Uh, quote unquote, paladins would have different powers as well. I think each god would have their own like power subset,
0: yeah. And each god would have their own spheres of influence. You know, the the god of thievery is going to want a champion, uh, who you know, who basically practices what he preaches, I guess would be a good thing to say, you know, practices what they preach. Uh if you're if you're if you're the champion of a god of thievery, you probably thieve. Uh if you're the champion of of a god of magic, then you probably cast you use magic, probably. But so yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those situations that if you have a, a game where you have the time to put into it, then I think that it's a good idea to sit down with your DM during character creation and work that kind of thing out. Otherwise, you could just play it straight from the book.
2: Exactly. It just depends on how much uh, customization you want to put into your game. And also, maybe you have a player that has a really cool concept for being like an alternate class and serving a god that it'll, doing this will just add a little bit more flavor to the game. So sometimes maybe yeah, you'll have I agree a, yeah maybe you'll have a great story idea but just the run-of-the-mill paladin won't quite fill it but if you make it a chaotic good god and just put a little twist on the paladin class to make it more appropriate for that god all of a sudden you have this really epic tale
0: yeah I, I totally agree I think I think that could make for a really uh exciting dynamic in the game uh and Really, kind of uh, change up the Paladin a little bit. What do you think?
1: Uh, how do you how
0: do you feel on that one? there, events.
1: Well, I agree. The dynamic it would definitely change the dynamic a lot. So I think you should go with whatever works for you. So anyway, uh, Warhorses Paladin gets their Warhorse. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about that, Chad? Well, Warhorses it, it's
0: a neat area. I mean, it's it's
1: pretty iconic.
0: With the Paladin, is that they have their warhorse, uh, which I, you know, it's actually kind of funny that it's so iconic because most dungeon crawls you really can't bring a horse with you. So I've always thought that was a kind of a strange one. Uh, I'm not even really sure where the, you know, a lot of classes obviously their benefits are based out of actual legends and such. Uh, do you guys know of any legends where the? the uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a legend that includes calling a warhorse for a, a knight. you know? Yeah. Nah. Not off the top of my head. Uh, it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's cool. Uh, I think a lot of players, when I ran a game, uh, I ran a high level game, uh, maybe last year that was set in the nine hells and players was a high level paladin. And he was more interested in getting uh you know like a supernatural you know like steed like a dragon uh it's it you know i was like "Ooh, what about a horse
1: (laughs) you don't really want a
0: horse (laughs) but uh i just find i allow you know i do it. it 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 it's fine uh and 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 if I always stress to the player that if they do by some chance get uh, you know a steed with higher intelligence, they have to keep in mind. Uh, I always make sure that the that the steed becomes almost like an NPC. He's he's not a auto, automaton that just you know does whatever the paladin wants him to do. Uh, he'll try to work with the paladin as much as possible. But in the case of a supernatural steed like a dragon, he's going to have his own agenda. Uh, in in this case, I gave the paladin a dragon. He actually had a female gold dragon that was his steed, and the very first thing the dragon informed him of when they they formed their partnership was that outside of what he had to tithe, he would then have to give an additional fifty percent of all of what was left to her for yeah. her horde. <laughs> the player's like, what? I'm going to go broke. I was like, well, good thing you're a paladin. Wealth doesn't mean anything to you. <laughs> uh, how do you use it,
2: uh, Matt? Uh, with the paladin warhorse, I've always just uh, had them summon it. They have the horse, and the horse's main concern is following what the deity wants. And having it almost be like an extension of the deity. So that way if the paladin gets a little antsy and starts doing stuff that the god doesn't necessarily approve, his horse is going to uh, not want to comply. So almost – Yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, the horse is there to help the paladin achieve what the, the god wants, not necessarily what the paladin wants.
0: So. yeah in in many ways similar to a, a magic user's familiar uh, when a for, when a magic user uh, gets uh, some of those supernatural familiars like say they get the incubus or the imp you know uh, those those creatures are oftentimes agents actually of some greater demon or devil and they're they 're just keeping an eye on the paladin so that the I mean, on the magic user so that the minute he dies they're going to be able to make sure they can collect on their contract. In this case, the paladin's steed is is a is a servant ultimately of the deity and is keeping an eye to make sure that the paladin is meeting his uh, obligations.
2: Exactly. It's a it's a little extra here. I'll give you this mighty steed to help you in your quest, but only use it for the quest I sent you on, not your other agendas.
0: Right, right. And, well, and then that brings up the point of if you're gonna give, if you're gonna have the the paladin steed, how does that fit into the adventure if you're not in an area where the steed can go?
2: Well, horses can be... I think, like, even inside of a dungeon, you can still have a steed. You get that steed facing the other way and have it bucket a door it can deal with some locked doors there's things you can do with a steed inside as long as you can have it maneuver some
0: yeah i mean obviously if you're going into a place of wide halls say you're doing against the giants i don't think there's any problem having a horse (laughs) come with you in that one right but uh say you're doing the caves of chaos you know in b1 or b2 i mean uh, and you're in some of these narrow, kind of cavernous, you know, areas, like in uh, Lost Caverns of Sodge Camp. You know, there, the, it's going to be very, in some of those areas, you know, I have the, the players themselves have to squeeze through.
2: Right. You could also, I say, <clears throat> use the the steed as a the kind of like Lassie. Here, go get help. <laughs> go. You you put the note on it. It runs, and it goes back to town to let other people know, hey, come here. This is what's going on.
0: (laughs) Timmy's in the Nine (laughs) Hells?
2: Yeah. What? Timmy's in the Nine Hells? Here, hop on. I'll take you there. Or if the party gets split for whatever reason, you could send Mm -hmm. the steed to go fetch the other party members, and they hop on and ride in. Miracle, the Wonder Horse. Yeah, because <laughs> it's not your run of the mill horse here. I would say it's a little smarter than your average horse here. So it oh yeah, yeah,
0: they're smarter. I I think even the horse is going to be you know
2: low average. Right. So it would be able to grasp things of that nature. Like here, throw some supplies on this, or go get us some supplies from town. Here's the gold in the pouch. Here's the note. Take it to the merchant. Now go do a little horse trading. Exactly. <laughs> so I had to throw that one in. <laughs> uh,
0: so, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's neat. I think it's a, it's a neat little perk of, of the Paladins. Uh, it, 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 but I just, I always think it's just kind of funny because it's so iconic with Paladin, and yet it's often so difficult
2: to actually fit into an adventure. Right, because I think too often they treat it like a monster summoning spell. Like you summon a horse, and now the horse follows you. No, the horse is following your deity. it just so happens it's helping you yeah and and the other thing I see them
0: do wrong when I see paladins use a use a paladin steed is they'll treat it as a meat shield in some cases, and they'll forget that you know if if they're going through a desert region where water is scarce. Uh, They should be making sure their horse gets something to drink
2: before they take a drink. Right. And I could also see if they mistreat their horse, all of a sudden, next time they go to summon it, it doesn't show up. Yeah, exactly. Or perhaps if they really, really mistreat it, some other uh, penalties get assessed because Mm -hmm. they weren't being true to their god. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think that's covered to some degree in the DMG as well. Uh, and, you know, I would always say that if you really want to play a paladin and you want to know how you interact with your, your steed, go watch the movie Hidalgo with uh, Viggo Mortensen. That's an excellent example, I think, of how a paladin would treat their steed.
1: How about, I usually, when I did my paladins with uh I would have them, remember the TV show Adventures of Briscoe County Jr.? Yeah. Oh, I remember that. With Bruce Campbell, was so I kind of made the horse have that type of personality. When you followed him around, kind of warned him, annoyed him, did everything possible to get in his face to you know try him to do things. That's how I've mm-hmm. done my horses. I've also done the war horses, and they turn into a little statue that you can put inside your backpack,
0: like this a figurine is... of wondrous power.
1: Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. And they have to activate it by throwing it on the ground, which is <laughs> kind of funny, but. It was... <laughs> But if they're bad, they just throw it on the ground, and just the, the figurine stays right there. And he's like, uh, hello. And, you know, the god's mad at them; it won't work.
0: Yeah, yeah. You could do that, too. It's just, now it's just a regular figurine. Yep, definitely.
1: Okay, so moving on. Uh, last thing on the topic agenda here is Holy Avengers. Every paladin wants one. Every paladin quests for one. But... You know, there's only, like, one. So when should they start questing for it, and how do we get the party involved? Matt, we'll start with you.
2: Oh, as for when, I would almost say, here's thing for a Holy Avenger. I could even see making that like your campaign. So I could see them starting from the very beginning, and the they should first be prepping themselves becoming devout and just going on quests to prove themselves to their god that they are worthy enough to achieve this holy to obtain the holy avengers so that way their god is more on their side because they know they cannot achieve this goal without their god
1: well what about should a new character in the game know about a holy avenger Shouldn't it be something that they kind of find out about while questing? Maybe their god leaks out the information to them slowly?
2: Yeah, I could even see doing that as... I think the first few levels of either Paladin or Cleric should be them going on quests to prove themselves worthy of their god. So as they're doing that, then you could start laying the hints down for the Holy Avenger... And then they realize, oh, I should probably make myself stronger, more devout, prove myself worthy so I can be this great champion for my deity. And do you think it's one Avenger per world? or Oh, more- absolutely. I would say this is a unique artifact. There's one of and one of only. And perhaps there's even other paladins for your deity also trying to achieve it as well. So then what happens when you it becomes like this race between all these like-line paladins. Or how about
1: your paladin goes questing for and he finds out that another paladin already
2: has it. Right. Then what happens there? Does he fall for the temptation of stealing the Avenger from the other paladin to achieve his quest? Does he wait to see if that paladin falls and errs in his way so that way he's justified in taking the Holy Avenger from him? So yeah. there's a Good lot so, you I, could do with that. But the, I think the main question
1: is here, how do you get the party involved? Because most people will be like, yeah, no, I'm not going to
2: bother with that. What does it benefit for me? Oh, yeah, you get, a, you get a powerful sword. What do I get? Right. Well, that's when you also start throwing in, like, if you have thieves. You start throwing in. The Holy Avengers is not just going to be stuck in a rock in the middle of nowhere with nothing else around it. There's probably going to be other stuff, other powerful stuff perhaps it's in the possession of a mighty magic user, at which point, I'm sure any magic user in the party would love to loot all of his magic items in his spell books. Thieves, I bet that magic user would have a lot of treasure. So there's ways to entice them through, like, material needs. Or perhaps they're from a land that a great evil's fallen upon, and the Holy Avengers what will save their land and Mm -hmm. bring good back to the world
0: yeah like excalibur exactly I mean that's essentially what excalibur is. It's a holy avenger uh, i I go with the idea that that in my campaign that there you know there are not many holy Avengers, but there might be like you know the the twelve of them in the world they're they're a limited artifact in other words, and I always go with the idea that. Paladins from first level have heard stories of these fabled swords that had been carried by the great champions of their gods and done great deeds with them. Uh, they they might even have visited one of the maybe the greatest temple to that deity uh, has enshrined uh, one of these swords. Perhaps it's it's in the tomb of an enshrined of, of the great enshrined uh, paladin epic hero of days past and and. Uh, and the way it would go out to the party members is, is one, uh, at a certain level, uh, the, the, de- the paladin performs a deed uh, for the deity selflessly and is in great danger, and, and, and the deity somehow uh, makes the, the Avenger unasked for available. In some fashion, doesn't have to be directly given to him, but in a a roundabout fashion, the D&D manages, the deity manages to make sure the paladin gets it. Uh, Or two, and this is a good way to draw the other characters in, is that say that great temple uh, that I mentioned earlier that had the enshrined paladin with the sword is overtaken by evil forces. And the, the paladin is, is tasked with clearing, cleansing the temple. Uh, his, his comrades come along with him for the very reasons you mentioned, Matt. And at the end of the adventure, maybe the spirit of that great paladin rises and, and gifts him the sword. Or, or he has to use the sword to, to ultimately cleanse it. Uh, and in that fashion, he rightfully gains ownership of the sword. Uh, but that 's probably how I would run it and and I think in that fashion it's it 's a lot more epic than just finding a plus one sword
1: well yeah obviously it 's not a just average plus one you know go to a magic shop hey you got any in stock type thing right but i 'm saying that the
0: adventure itself should be in many ways based around the sword it 's not something that you found in other words
1: in a room right it's a whole campaign itself is what you 're saying.
0: Yeah, or at least an entire adventure at a at a at a higher
1: level. A chapter maybe, said.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're not just going to roll holy avenger on your random magic item chart and throw it in a room
0: right and of course you could even go this route you could you could say that from first level on the sword that that paladin has been using has begun to make a name for itself as he gets higher level in it and and at some point the d d makes it a holy adventure
2: yeah the you could even do it in such a way that he notices he's getting a little more power in his sword but as he Falters his deity maybe his sword gets weaker so it kind of wanes and waxes in power depending on how devout he is
0: yeah you could do it that way uh i like i like the idea that the sword is a sword it you know that the name it makes is because of the user itself but at some point the people began to, you know, it begins to get legends just as he's getting legends around himself. And the deity simply says at that point, you know, uh, now, you know, uh, I shall make your sword what it is, in, in fact, what it is in name, you know. And and, and rather than finding a or, or coming across or acquiring a holy avenger, it's, an, it's a, I think, a very elegant way of getting the character a new uh, the holy avenger without actually having to
2: justify another holy avenger in your land yeah and as his sword builds name that also means other people know of his sword as well at which point uh-huh. perhaps other people want to take his sword
1: exactly exactly Or i was just thinking you your paladin's questing for it you finally get to that last point you, for whatever, whatever reason, you get to the tomb, you open it up, and four other paladins step in the room from different sects or something, and now you have to figure out which paladin is going to be the one to claim it. Does it become a fight? Does it become a talk? Right. Is, from there? Yeah, and in, us, in
2: essence, it's a test. It right. also becomes the Hunger Games on the whole event. Right, and the one who doesn't participate in the Hunger Games is the one who gets it if you're lawful good.
1: Yeah.
0: There you go. And if you choose the wrong one, your face melts, and the paladins say he chose badly, poorly. <laughs> he chose poorly.
1: Right. I think on that note, we're going to wrap things up for this mini issue number three for this week. Uh, Vince sitting with Chad and Matt saying good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Of Wild Games Productions in association with D20Radio.com. You can visit us at RFI Podcast.com or contact us on our forums at OSRGaming.org or even by calling us at 570 865 4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative.